motif, this theme of a blacksmith, a farrier. Um, and one of the phrases that you hear that maybe you didn't know related to blacksmithing was this phrase, it has a nice ring to it. You've all heard that, right? I, I've heard that. I never knew that that originated um, from a blacksmith shop. And it's referring to the sound of the hammer on the anvil. And when you hit it, a good anvil, it has this real pure ring to it. And you say, it has a nice ring to it. Now, if the anvil has a crack some kind of fracture in the anvil, and you hit it, then it sounds as a hammer, <laughs> because it is, does not have a nice ring to it. And that's where that phrase comes from. It has a nice ring to it. Now, in regards to my life, here's what I have a tendency to think. I'm always planning, what am I going to do next? Where am I headed next? What am I going to do next? We've been planning our 4th of July, and we've been talking about going to uh, a cabin, and now we found out this weekend that the road has washed out, so we're thinking, okay, what is plan B? If we can't get there, what are we going to do next? I love planning. It's exciting. I love thinking about what's coming up next. For me, it's, it's fun. And then I think about my stuff. This weekend, as we were out of town looking around, we were at some flea markets. I love going to flea markets, and only a few times have I actually gotten fleas. <laughs> Usually, it's okay. I love going to flea markets. I love looking for that mystery of shopping for some kind of vintage treasure. I love it. I love discovering treasures. And, of course, those treasures become more of my stuff, <laughs> and I love that too. And then, of course, there's my house. So this week, we're going to be replacing one of our air conditioners. Wowzy, wowzy. That is, you know, when it comes to my house, there's always something. You're having to think about repairs. You're having to think about maintenance. And if you let those items go, if you let them go, those maintenance items, guess what? You know, they become huge problems. So when it comes to my house, there's always something to do, always something to keep up, and usually it's a lot of work, uh, but after all, it's my house, and that's kind of what I signed on for, right? And then, of course, in the house, there's my room. Now, if you have children, this really makes a whole lot more sense for a child because, you know, that's all they have really is their room, right? That's my room. That's my room. Um, talking to their brothers or sisters or cousins, get out of my room, right? Or <laughs> leave my stuff alone. Don't touch anything in my room. And it seems like our lives revolve around me, my, and mine. Has that taken up a good portion of your life too? I, I hope I'm not alone in this. Me, my, and mine. Now, think about this with me for a moment. Imagine that you are the owner of a nice car, and you have another car you're driving, so this nice car, it happens to be sitting in the driveway, and it's not being used. But you have a friend or a brother-in-law, somebody that, that doesn't have a car at the moment, and they need a car, and you're like, okay, you can borrow mine, because it's just sitting there, it's not being used. So you let them borrow it. And they treat it like it 
was their car. Hmm. The next time they drop by, you happen to be outside and you look in, and the car is filled with trash, like Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, trash everywhere inside the car. And you're like, wow, that's not what I would have done. That's, that's my car. There's trash everywhere. And not only that, but the outside of the car is pretty dirty, like they've been driving down a gravel road for three days. And you look at your car and you're like, oh my goodness. Let's take it a step further and let's say your friend or your brother-in-law, they needed a little bit of extra cash. And so let's say they start parting out your car. <laughs> let's say they sell the hood to somebody. <laughs> they sell the back bumper to somebody, maybe a tail light, and they just kind of parted out. They needed some extra cash. But the car still runs, and they're still able to drive it, so they're like, it's no big deal. They think to themselves, they, they won't mind. It's no big deal. It's still operational, and they're partying out the car. But what do you think about that? <laughs> Yikes. Do you mind? Yes, absolutely you mind. Now, if it belonged to them, if it were their car, would you mind if they were partying it out? Absolutely not. Hey, it's their car. Do with it what you want to do with it. It's yours. Wow, but you would mind if that were your car. Let's think about this. Let's imagine that you owned a large sum of money, and maybe it was for your retirement you had saved up a long, long, long time, and you were going to use this for your retirement. But as you were preparing, moving toward retirement, let's say you were looking to grow that amount of money and make it even larger. So you hire a money manager who's going to take care of investing for you. They're going to watch the stock markets for you, and they're going to help place that money where you can get more money by the time you retire. You want to invest it. And you want that person to monitor it. And you want that person to help you grow it. So you sit down with them at your first meeting. And they ask you, all right? They say, what do you want me to do with your money? How do you want me to use it? How do you want me to meet your desires? They ask you, do you want slow, safe growth? Or do you want some fast growth that's high risk, though? What do you want to do? And you choose, oh, I think I'm going to do slow growth. I don't want to be risky. I'm going to do slow growth. And so together you agree to a slow growth, safe plan, and then you leave. But after you leave, they begin to think about it. And they think, you know, I really think we should do the fast growth, the high-risk plan, but it's fast growth. You'll see more money faster. So I'm going to switch the plan to fast growth. I know it's risky, but that's what I want to do. Now, what's your response to that? It's, you're like, well, it's not their money. I want slow growth, right? Well, that's what they do. And not only that... But the money manager begins to think to himself, hmm, you know, here's all this money. I really want to do some things at my house. <laughs> so, man, I, so he puts in a swimming pool at his house with your money. <laughs> he, he, uh, he takes a nice vacation 
He goes to Branson and Las Vegas and maybe even swings around to the Grand Canyon with your money. He gets a new boat and goes to the lake on the weekends through the summer with your money. I mean, he says, the money was there. I mean, I had access to it. It was there. It was in my hands. So really, I can probably do with that what I want. Really? I mean, we, we hear that and we say, that's crazy. I mean, can he? Well, I guess he had access, so he could. Should he? Should he? Was it right? I... So maybe you sit down with him and then you ask about your money. Hey, tell me about how the money has been growing. And it's like, wait, you mean you didn't do what I asked you to do? with my money and you actually then turned around and used it up all on yourself you see the word owner it has a nice ring to it owner <laughs> it's mine it has a nice ring to it but actually, here's the thing. It's not our ring. If we're saying it, it's really a dead ring. It's a dead hammer. You see, it does have a nice ring to it if you're referring to the correct owner. Unfortunately, as we talk about this, we are the managers. Now let me give you some information. This morning, if you are not yet following Christ, if you're still investigating the claims of Christ this morning, then I want to let you know some of what we're talking, you are off the hook. <laughs> no worries at all. In fact, this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're still investigating the claims of Christ, you get to peek behind the curtain and see what some of the conversations are that take place around following Jesus without having to follow Jesus. So you kind of get in on some of the secret before you're in on following Jesus. You picked a great time to be here this morning. And I've already visited with some of you. Some of you have a home church in another place, another town. And if that's the case, if you're a follower of Jesus, what we're talking about this morning, well, it does apply to you. But you get to apply it back in your hometown. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want you to know right now, take a deep breath, let your heart rate slow, because you are off the hook. You get to hear some of the conversations that take place around what it means to follow Jesus. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, your heart rate may get a little faster. Yeah, your blood pressure may go up just a little bit this morning because we're going to be digging in some areas, messing in some areas that most people don't like to be messed with. We're going to be talking about an owner versus a manager. And if we are talking about the correct owner this morning, then it does have a very nice ring to it. We'll go on, and you'll understand more. 
owner versus manager. God has something to say about that. So um, we're going to be looking in a moment at what God has to say and what he has written about that. You see, the owner, the great thing about an owner, they get to decide. They get to make the decisions. The manager gets to contribute according to the owner's wishes. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning that God is the owner of everything. Of everything. Now, if you're not a believer this morning, this is the one part here that does apply to you. Regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not, God, his word describes to us that God is the owner of absolutely everything, including our personal bank accounts, our personal money. Listen to how God puts it in Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 10. The writer of Hebrews says, everything belongs to God, and all things were created by his power. Every single thing, and that's not the only place that the scriptures tell us this, Everything on earth belongs to God. All the resources, all the minerals. I'm messing with mineral rights right now in Oklahoma with oil. God owns all of that. I may have a piece of paper that has some family name on it about mineral rights, but guess what? The reality is that is God's. God owns everything. All things were created by his power. So God is the owner. If God is the owner, that means we're not the owner. Even if our name is on a piece of paper, even if our name it says this belongs to us, we bought this, or this is ours, or this account is ours, it doesn't matter what name is on it, God is, on, God is the owner, which makes us a manager. And do you know what God says about managers? Paul says in, in his letter to the, to the Corinthian church, his first letter, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul says this, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. But when a manager starts acting like the owner, there's a problem. Now, inside of our journal, if you have one of these journals, it's the very last section of the book. If you don't have the journal, then you picked up a piece of paper, and we have a copy of that. And now we have given away, as of last week, all of our journals, but you can now online print off all of the journal pages. So even if you don't have a journal, you can print off all of these pages. If you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say journal, the previous four weeks... We have taught through this journal and how to use this journal. But inside this journal, the very last section, the title of it says, Managing His Stuff. And there's a question right off the bat, and there's not near enough room to write the answer to that. But here's the first question. McKinley will have it on the screen for you. It says this, Why is trusting God with money so difficult. Why is it so difficult to trust God with money? And I think there are as many answers to that question as there are people in this room this morning. 
I think one of the biggest reasons I have trouble trusting God with money is because I have this mindset that I think it is mine. I worked for it, I earned it, and guess what? I deserve it. It's mine. You see, I have the thought that that paycheck, that money, that bank account is mine. Even if I say, God has given it to me, right? That makes me the owner. But unfortunately, the book of Hebrews says that everything on the earth, everything on the earth, including my paycheck, including my bank accounts, it belongs to God. Everything on the earth is His. It's not really mine. That's, another, that's one reason why we have so much trouble trusting God with money because we see it as ours. Here's another reason I think we have trouble trusting God with money because we think we might lose it. If I admit that yes, it is God's, then I think He might take it away from me. I might lose it. Even if I don't admit that it's God's, but I say to God, God, I, I want to be faithful with this money. I want you to help me with this. We have a fear because we think he may choose to take it away from us. We may lose it. Here's another reason I think we struggle with money. It's because we think that we might not get more. Now, my dad grew up during the Depression, and I understand not from experience, but from reading history, I understand why he kind of had sheds full of stuff. And he would fill that shed with stuff, and he would build another shed, and then fill that with stuff. And I think part of it was he grew up at a time where he did not have much, and he was hanging on to it in case he needed it someday. We think that we might not get more if we give some away. Here's another reason I think we have trouble trusting God with money. It's because we think that maybe if I let God in on this decision-making process regarding my money, I might not like what He wants me to do with it. I might not like the way He allows me it or the way he wants it used. I may not like that and I may feel out of control. Another reason possibly we don't like to trust God or we have trouble trusting God with money is because perhaps we think this, I haven't yet got everything I want. I mean, I still have a wish list. Once I finish this wish list, I take this trip, I get this boat, or I get this uh, side by side. Once I get this thing that I want or these things I want, then then I'm going to, to allow God in on this process. Then I will. But right now, not yet, because I don't yet have everything I want. But according to God, it's all His. And He has asked us to manage His stuff. It's kind of like with your children. You give them responsibility, but you start out real small, don't you? 
You want your children, by the time they graduate high school and move into to, uh, the young adult life, you want them to be responsible and to be able to handle responsibility. And so you start off when they're little, when they're young, and you give them a little bit of responsibility. You start off small. And listen to how Jesus handles this as well. These are the words of Jesus. Listen to this. It's recorded in Luke chapter 16. It says, Jesus says, if you are faithful in the little things, in other words, he starts us off in life small, you will be faithful then later in the large ones. He says, but if you are dishonest in the little things, or if you mishandle the little things, if you don't do what's God, in God's eyes, what is right and what he wants in the little things, then you won't be honest, you won't be able to handle, you won't be able to take care of or do what is right and needed then with the greater responsibilities. Hmm. And he says, Jesus says, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, in other words, money, if you are untrustworthy about money, then who will trust you with true riches of heaven? Jesus goes on. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Do you see that progression, how God starts us off small and he grows us in responsibility as we are willing to handle that responsibility the way God wants us to handle it. And did you notice how then he ends, Jesus ends this statement with talking about other people's things. As if to say, everything in this world belongs to God. And if we don't handle his things right, then why would we be trusted for, uh, for God to send his things through us to manage Interesting, right? So that's what this section in this journal is all about. It's about us beginning, starting right where we are, right now in this life, right where we are, beginning to trust God and create the habit of remembering that God is the owner of everything. We are simply managing his stuff. And part of that is us evaluating how we're doing as one of his managers. So we've added a series of questions in this journal or on the journal page that you're looking at. A series of questions that we hope you will look at Every week, maybe even for some of you, you may choose to look at that every single day. But we hope that you will at least look at it every week, once a week. A series of questions, some things to help us remember. So the first question in there is, um, it, well, it's a statement that says, read these verses. But then it says, according to these verses, who owns, who is the owner, and who is the manager, according to these verses? 
And it's to help us remember and to help us think about who really is the owner of everything on the earth. And what role has God placed us in? He's placed us in the role of not owner, manager. It's as if your child says, hey, this is my room in your house. And you think to yourself, really? When was the last time you wrote the rent check? It's not their room. It's your room that you allow them to live in, right? It's your room. And, but we have this tendency to think, this is mine, this is mine, it's my room. But it's not their room. It's your room. You write the rent check or you write the house payment. It's your room, right? In uh, this sense, who is the owner? God is the owner. And he, we are the managers. So that's the, the reminder there. Here's the next question in, in the journal. It says, when you look at where God's money, where God's money went last week, how much is or has been or was invested into his kingdom through your church? Now, this is a question, a management question. And the question is asking this, do you know where his money went last week? And how much of that did you invest back into the kingdom of God? It's an important question. Now, in order for me, in order for you, in order for us to know how much money was used and where it was used and how it was used, we have to know what we did with it. And so I challenge you to kind of do the Dave Ramsey thing and to keep track of every penny that you spend to keep track of where you are spending your money and to keep up with why, where and why. And here's the simple reason, because as a money manager for God, I believe we need to know where we have invested and spent and why. It's a very important question. If the owner of the money asks us, I think we need to be able to tell him, here's where it went and why. If you're anything like me, we spend then, if you're anything like me, much more than we're even aware of spending. And then we need to look at the result. How much of that was directed toward God. Now, let me give you some good news here. You're like, I'm not sure if we can have any good news on this topic. <laughs> this is good news. You don't have to tell me anything about your money. That's good news. You don't have to tell me how much you spent, and you don't have to tell me where you have spent it. That's the good news. You don't have to tell me and, and shouldn't tell me any of that. You don't have to, and there's no reason for you to tell me any of that. But here's the bad news. God already knows, and he wants to make sure you know as well. Listen to Paul giving some instructions about a very specific giving situation that was occurring in this New Testament church. And listen to how he talks about handling money. Listen to what he says. 
2 Corinthians, it's in chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 1. Paul says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving um, for the believers in this Jerusalem church. He says, I really don't need to write you about this, but I'm going to. And here he, here he goes, verse 2. For I know how eager you are to help, he says, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece are ready to send an offering even as much, he says, as a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. He says, you and your, your attitude about giving has been so amazing, so good, and infectious. It, it has actually stirred up and encouraged other people. So let me give you some more good news here. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. I'm not. You know why? Because I'm not the owner of your money. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. In fact, I can't tell you how much to give because I'm not the owner of your money. But here's the bad news. You're not the owner either. You're the manager. So here's the next question in the journal. The next question says this. Are you willing to ask this question? And it says, God, what do you want me to do with your money this week? God? What do you want me to do with your money this week? And then, here's a key, after you ask that question, then write down what you think that might be. Write it down. Paul goes on, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verse 6. Paul says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And then he says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. He says, no, 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 no. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And he says in verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so then we have the last question in this journal or on that journal page. And it simply says this. Did you do that? You ask God, what do you want me to do with your money this week, your resources this week, your things this week? And then we ask ourselves, and then we write that down. And then we ask ourselves a question later in the week. Did you do that? Did we do that? Did we do what the owner asked us to do with his stuff? Did you ask God and then do what he asked? And when we can answer that question with yes and yes, 
Yes, I asked God, and yes, I did what he said, what the owner said. When we can answer that question with yes and yes, because God is the owner, and I am merely the manager, that has a nice ring to it. That has a nice ring to it. You say, Harley, it seems awfully strange to me that you included this section in a journal about our relationship with God. And I agree. I mean, it is strange to us. But it's not strange to God. Jesus gives us a, a don't, a do, and he gives us a why. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. He starts with the don't. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And now he gives us a do. So he says, don't hoard it. And he says, do, in verse 20, do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. And he ends with a why. This is huge. Verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now these are the words of Jesus. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your money goes, whatever you do with that money that passes through your life, there the desires of your heart will be also. What, here's what Jesus is saying. I firmly believe this. What you do with money is the most accurate heart monitor that God gives us in Scripture. Somebody wrote me a, a, a note, an email not long ago, and they said, hey, listen, the way you talk about money I bet nobody ever goes to your church. And here's the reality. If you have been here ten times, you probably have never heard me talk about money. We do it so rarely. I don't know where they got that. But we cannot deny that Jesus is clearly telling us Perhaps the best monitor of our hearts is what we do with money. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You remember how Jesus said, as we have talked about this series and at other times, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of us. I want to read that verse again. Listen to this again. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied to this man who was talking to him. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all, all your heart, all of your soul and your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. So if that's true, that Jesus said we need to love him with all of our heart, then I would believe that the habit, the habit of tracking 
Everything we do with his money would be vitally important because Jesus says what we do with his money clearly says who has our heart. Now, along with the habit of talking with God, which we have in this journal, along with the habit of studying God's word and then living those words in our lives, which we have in this journal, along with the habit of memorizing parts of God's Word and then using that memorized Word as, as a tool and as a weapon in our life, a weapon against the evil one, as we have in this journal. Then Jesus said, He said in verse 39 that there's a second command that's equally important. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said the entire law, all of the prophets and the demands of the prophets They're all based upon these two things. If we do these two things, we fulfill all the law. So he said, we need to love other people, which we have included in this journal, a whole section on how to love other people. And we chose to end this journal with this last section where we are taking a look as Jesus described We're taking a look at where is our heart. And so here's what I'm simply asking you. Will you begin to do that this week? As you begin to use this journal, will you do that this week? Will you add that section once a week, taking a look at where is your heart in regard to managing his stuff? And we end this series as we look at the habits in this journal. It all ends with a heart checkup. Where's your heart? Who really has your heart? Did you ask the owner what he wants you to do with his stuff? And did you do that? Please don't get mad at me. Listen, I'm not the owner of your stuff. I I can't tell you what to do with your stuff. I'm not the owner. But if this topic, listen to this, if this topic upsets you, if this topic makes you uncomfortable, if when we press in on your life about this topic and it's tender for you and it hurts and you move back, you say, ouch, I don't like that if it's tender for you, then maybe that should give you a hint that there's something in there, some healing in there, in your understanding, in your view, in your life, some healing that needs to take place that revolves around his stuff. This is a very simple principle. Talk to the owner talk to the owner and do what he says if you do if you will do that it says something very important about your heart but if you refuse to do that it says something very important about your heart will you join us today on this habit journey I hope you will fill out this book. And then you know what? 
I hope that you will go to Walmart or you'll go to Amazon.com or Office, whatever it's called, and buy a little bitty notebook and print off those pages that I have for you on the internet, the very same pages. Print them off yourself at home, cut them in half, and stick them in a journal, and you create your own. And I hope you will fill journal after journal after journal in your relationship with God. And I hope that you will see your life grow and change and transform. Join me as we pray. Jesus, you commanded us that we must love you, God, with all of our hearts and all of our soul and all of our mind. You said this is the first and greatest commandment. And then you said that there's a second, and it's equally important, that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And God, you gave us a heart test. May we keep growing. Because you said wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. May we pass that heart test, Jesus, more and more as we use a tool like this journal to love you and to love others. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen.